Muy buenas noches. ¿Cuántos hispanos hay acá esta noche? No sé qué le van a hacer los gringos cuando llegamos al cielo, estamos todos hablando español. It is a joy for me to be here tonight. I'm just messing with you, I'm just messing. I'm just messing with you. Uh, I am actually thrilled. I'm really excited to be here tonight. I want to thank your pastors for this awesome opportunity. And uh, just to be here with you, uh, we don't get to make it to Southern, or North, actually this is Northern California very often, but it's a beautiful part of the country. I'm originally born and raised in Vancouver, British Columbia, so I'm familiar with the Northwest. I tell people a lot of times I'm actually was from the Holy Land, I'm from Vancouver, but uh, <laughs> uh, but it, we're excited to be here. This is a, a thrill. And before I get started, I do have a, a small product table in the back there. Uh, I'm sorry, but I, we sold almost everything that we had as far as English goes on Sunday. But I do have a few things left in English, some CDs there that will encourage you and strengthen you. I also have for the uh, Hispanics... I have several series back there in Spanish that we did there in Mexico City. They're great series. This one here is on honor. I have another one there on stewardship and on team building and so forth. All of our Spanish are half price. So if you're interested, we have a few of them there to pick up. And then also I have a book that I wrote last year called Supernatural Acceleration. And uh, when I was in uh, Rama in 1980, I, I took a mission trip. And in that mission trip, I went to Guatemala. And it was a week-long trip, but it was something that impacted my life forever. And I made a decision during that trip to go back and work for this particular missionary in Quetzaltenango, Guatemala. And being born and raised in Canada, you know, I, I knew absolutely no Spanish. I mean, I think I knew three words in Spanish. Pepsi-Cola, Coca-Cola, and no. That was all the Spanish <laughs> I knew. And so when I first went to Guatemala and I committed to work for this missionary for a couple of years, I said to the Lord, well, I want to learn Spanish. I don't want to have to go through an interpreter, which I call them interrupters. I wanted to be able to speak to the people heart to heart. But I don't have the time that they're telling me that it takes. It takes a year to go to Costa Rica, go to language school, costs a lot of money. And uh, I knew missionaries that were on the field for some of them five and ten years, still working through interpreters. And I said... I don't think it has to be that way. Now, I'd gone through Rhema. I'd learned some wonderful principles on faith. And I said, well, if faith works for healing and if faith works for finances, why doesn't faith also work in learning another language supernaturally quick? Does it really have to take years and years and years? And so God began to show me supernatural principles on how to learn a language and do it quickly, where you didn't have to go to formal language school. And uh, I remember one day taking the Spanish Bible, and I'd been in Guatemala for maybe a month or so. And I remember taking that Spanish Bible, and it was like a veil came off my eyes, and I began to understand every single word that I was reading. Just by applying simple, basic principles of faith on how to learn a language supernaturally. I never attended any formal language school or classes whatsoever, and in a month and a half, I was speaking fluently in Spanish. So how many know that's, that's supernaturally quick? Anybody here, would, anybody here want to learn language supernaturally quick? Anybody want to learn Spanish? Raise your hand. If you, anybody want this book? Okay, there you go, right there. No, I got another one for you. I'm going to give it another one to you. Right over here. There you go. Now, somebody asked me one time, what well, does that mean you speak it perfectly? And I say, well, no, not really. I'm still working on my English. 
But uh, I remember I'd, I was in Mexico, we'd, maybe about a, a two months or so, and we were doing a, a home Bible study. And I was teaching from Mark 11, 23 and 24, of course, all in Spanish, where it says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And I stopped right there. And, and we had maybe 10, 12 people in this Bible study, and the majority of them were, were women. Uh, and I stopped right there and said, Now listen, you are a whosoever. I'm doing all this in Spanish. And I said, you need to realize that you can speak to a mountain. You can, with your faith, cause mountains to be moved. So I said, let's make this bold faith confession. So I said in Spanish, say this after me. Yo soy, and everybody said, yo soy una cualquiera. Silence. Silence. And so I thought, well, maybe they're just not understanding this gringo. So I said, come on, now really say it like you mean it. Make it a bold faith declaration. Say, yo soy, and they all said, Una cualquiera. Silence. And their eyes were starting to get bigger and bigger. I thought, maybe they're just not getting it. So I said, one more time. Now, guys, come on. Say this like you really mean it. Say, yo soy. Una cualquiera. Silence. And they're starting to get pale. And I'm looking over at a friend of mine. He's almost on the floor laughing. He said, actually, the way you're saying that doesn't come off really good because you're telling them to say, I'm a whore. Not the best faith confession, all right? So I, I'm still working on it, but uh, that book's back there. I, I did receive one letter, and this letter said, aside from the Bible, that was the most inspiring and anointed book that I've ever read. So I want to thank my mom for that letter. And uh, that book's back there. You can apply those same principles in business, in goals, or whatever you want. If you want to learn something supernaturally quick, I, don't, I only have a few copies, but if you'll get it, I think it's normally $11.99 on Amazon. You can get it for 10 bucks here tonight. So that's a great deal. Amen? Amen. Uh, we have a, a short video. It just shares about what we're doing in Mexico City. shares about our work there. Uh, January 23rd, actually, was the first time we stepped and took our family, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. I have three children, two girls and a boy. They're currently studying. Two of my girls are studying at ORU. My son's still with us uh, in Mexico. Actually, he's attending a soccer camp at Sonora State University uh, this week and stuff. But uh, they were all, they've all grown up on the mission field. They're all bicultural, bilingual, and today love God. I think our greatest testimony today is the fact that our children love God and they're serving God. And above everything else... That's, that's the proudest thing that I can tell you of what God's done in our lives. But in January, we took our family and uh, went to Mexico City based on one thing and one thing only, and that was God speaking to our hearts. I didn't know one individual in Mexico City when God told us to go. One of the largest cities in the world, what we call the concrete jungle. And uh, we had very little support. We did not go as... Rama, we went as independent missionaries, as Rama graduates. And about a month and a half before we actually left for Mexico, I think we had total $50 pledged support. We had sold everything we had, packed it all up in a couple of suitcases, and we were off to the mission field. And all we knew is that we had a little faith in a big God. Yeah. And God, if you just have a, you know, this takes a little faith. Amen. And a big God that He will move mountains for you. And, yes. and this has been probably the greatest adventure that we have ever embarked upon as our family. And we just absolutely love it. You know, I grew up in church all my life. I'm from a PAOC church, Pentecost Assemblies of Canada. 
and uh, four or five generations. And so I grew up listening to missionaries. They would come to the church, and uh, they would basically talk about how difficult it was, the challenges of missions. Many of them had been on the field for years and years and years and had less than a dozen converts. And they were talking about this and that. And, and a lot of times when it came down to the offering, it would be more like a, a, a never, never really a love offering. It's more like a pity offering, like I'm just glad it's you and not me. You following me? <laughs> and uh, so my stereotyped, my image of what a missionary was, was really not good growing up. And so when God called me to the mission field, I thank God for Raymond. I thank God for Brother Hagen who taught principles of faith because it really radically changed my thinking. And I realized I didn't have to go and barely squeak by. I didn't have to go with no influence. I didn't have to go and, uh, you know, just uh, uh, go back home to share sob stories and be a moochinary. And, uh, you know, but, but God could really do wonderful things in Mexico. And, and that's our heart. Uh, you know, our, in Spanish we say, Mexico para Cristo, you know. Yeah. We want to win Mexico for Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're going to do. We're making an impact in that country. Yes, you are. And uh, when we started off, like I say, we just started with a few people in our home. And uh, it's grown and, and God's continued to add to that work. And now we have a Bible school that we, we have about 100 students that come from all over Mexico. We've had them come from the U.S., Canada, Guatemala to study at Rema, Mexico. And uh, we have 48 pastors, senior pastors, who have graduated from our school. We have currently 11 churches under our umbrella of churches that, that uh, we call our sister churches that work with us directly there. And then this September, we're opening up four additional campuses, three of them in the, in the Mexico City area, and then one of them in Baile Bravo, about two hours from Mexico. And so we're expecting about 200 new students this coming September because we're going to continue to teach, coach, train, and mentor disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who will win Mexico for Jesus. Amen. I heard a statistic many years ago, and it said this, if there was an evangelistic crusade where 1,000 people got saved every night, so at the end of one year, you'd have approximately 365,000 people who got saved in this massive evangelistic crusade. Even at that rate, with the current world population, it would still take nearly 14,000 years to win this world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, winning 1,000 people a day. But if you were to take one individual who took it upon himself and made a commitment to disciple one other individual in one year's time, so at the end of one year you have two, and those two people would do the same. They would commit to disciple to coach another individual over a period of one year. So at the end of two years, you have four people. Exponentially speaking, at that rate, it would take 32 and a half years to win this world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I really believe strongly in the value of discipleship and these schools and what it's going to do in Mexico. And Rama, we were one of the first ones that they asked to be an extension campus. Today there's over 90 extension campuses all over this world. And I believe that this message is so vital today. Amen. Amen. And so the opportunity to do this through training schools and training centers is valuable. And I believe that's how we're going to reach nations for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So guys, um, if you want to go ahead and show that video, it's about a three minute video. You got it. 
great honor for us to minister in Mexico. Mexicans are some of the most noble and hungry people that I've ever been around. And uh, we're just honored and privileged. Never have to feel sorry for us because we're a missionary. We are living the dream. Amen. Amen. And Mexico is a wonderful place. And the Mexican people are wonderful, wonderful people. And I believe we're on the verge of revival. And I believe as we continue to get this word into people's lives, homes will be changed. Businesses will be changed, cities, states, and this country will be changed for the glory of God. Amen? Let me start with a story about a rich Mexican farmer from Sonora. And he was looking for the perfect son-in-law for his only daughter. 
And so he gathered all the young men, potential young men there in the village, at his huge home where he had this huge Olympic-style swimming pool in his backyard. And as all these potential young men came back there, they're all surrounding the pool, he fills the pool with alligators, crocodiles, and some poisonous snakes, and says to them this, I want to say who's the bravest, most intelligent young man here, whoever can swim from one side of this pool to the other side of this pool, will have one of three choices. Number one, I'll give you a million pesos. Or number two, I'll give you 20,000 of the best acres that I have in Sonora. Or you can have my daughter's hand in marriage. And about that time you heard this splash. And this young man was taken off swimming faster than he'd ever seen anybody swim. And he got to the other side unscathed, soaking wet. He stands in front of this rich Mexican Sonoran farmer. And he says to him, wow, that was phenomenal. All right, what do you want? A million pesos, 20,000 acres of the best land or my daughter's hand in marriage. And the guy looks at him, looks at him, the only thing I want is the name of that guy who pushed me in. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trusting tonight that we're just going to give you an encouraging push towards fulfilling God's plan for your life and all that He has for you. So say this after me. Say, I am... <laughs> I'm not going the other way. A missionary. missionary. Turn to somebody and say, I'm a missionary. missionary. Turn to somebody else and say, I'm a missionary. missionary. Let me give you a couple of my favorite missions quotes. One of the greatest statesmen that I know of anywhere, Wayne Myers, been in Mexico for 60 years. Great friend of mine. In his book, Living Beyond the Possible, he said this, Man has as much of God as he is willing to give away. Man says to God, give me a lot and I'll give you something. God says to man, give me a lot of your little and I'll give you more. I heard T.L. Osborne, he said this. He said, nobody is a nobody. You are nobility and royalty and God can't carry out his dream without you. Tell people you are sent from God. And when you arrive, it gives people hope. You know, missions is really God's heart cry. In Acts chapter 13, 47, reading from the Message Bible, it says this, I've set you up as light to all nations. You'll proclaim salvation to the four winds and seven seas. Missions really is the mobilization of the body. Say it one more time. I am a missionary. missionary. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says this, The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. In the NLT it says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And Jesus said, Go into the world, go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. I want to just share three simple things to encourage you this evening on what I call the spoken gospel. Number one, you were called to be a mover and a shaker. You know, it's interesting that the first two letters of God are still go. It's not pray and ask God to send someone to me to minister to them and share with them the gospel. It's not to pray for someone to come and ask you about salvation. Jesus' example of evangelism has not changed. He came to seek 
and to save. And the Word says, I've set you up as light to all nations. You know, a light shines brightest in darkness. There's a lot of Christians who have this mentality, I'm just not very comfortable being around sinners. It just doesn't make me feel good. I'm not comfortable. And a lot of times we like to be in, a, in our own particular bowl of, of, of security and so forth, where we don't like to get out there into the world and be, at, and be around sinners. But, you know, I, I think the question really is, are sinners comfortable being around you? <laughs> Not that we compromise our lifestyle, no, but that they see something in us that attracts us, or attracts them to us. Come on. Light attracts. Have you ever seen the movie Bug's Life? There's one particular scene in the Bug's Life movie that I really like. When I watched it with my kids, I remember these two bugs flying dangerously close to a bug zapper. You know what a bug zapper is? It's a fluorescent light, and it's surrounded by this metal casing, and if a bug touches it, it gets zapped, and it dies. And so these two bugs, one of them looks at that light, and it starts to draw him in. And the other one says, don't look at the light! But the other one, as it sees that fluorescent light, it starts drawing him in and he says, I can't help it. It's so beautiful. (laughs) You know, light attracts. We should be sinner magnets. Come on, people. I I get to go to a lot of churches. I think I could make a boatload of money being a Christian plastic surgeon just going to churches and doing facelifts or smile lifts. (laughs) Because some people look like they're carrying around the entire weight of the world when they get to church. And I'm telling you, this is a place of light. Come on, light attracts There's power. The Bible says that we're children of light. We're children of life. We're children of power. Come on, there's so much power in you. You can get bit by a mosquito and he'll fly away singing. There's power in the blood. (laughs) I'm telling you, we have supernatural identity in Christ. We are victorious. In Christ, we are blessed. In Christ, we are healed. In Christ, we are prosperous. God is still a good God. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. It doesn't force him, but it leads man to repentance. When our kids were younger, we used to say one word, and it would bring life to our children. We would just say, you guys want to go to McDonald's? And their eyes would get bright. I mean, their faces would... Because they knew McDonald's was a place, a fun place. It was a place of food. It was a place of games. It was a fun place. Come on, I mean, when when, when it's time to go to church, we got to go, church? Amen. Uh, you know, T.G. Jakes, he said this one time, if you're not rejoicing, the devil's going to think he's winning. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's something about laughter. There's something about joy. You know, I read an article years ago that just laughing 
releases endorphins in your body that causes healing agents to go through your body? I think with some Christians, those endorphins, they probably haven't been out for a long time. We need to release some of those endorphins. Because we're children of light, praise God. We're children of life, praise God. And we're children of power. Hallelujah. So you're called to be a mover and a shaker. Say it once again, I'm a missionary. missionary. Number two, you're commissioned to speak into other people's lives. I believe that the greatest gift that you will ever own is your ability to speak into people's lives. Jesus said in Mark chapter 15, 16, Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. You know, there is no such thing as silent faith. I said, there is no such thing as silent faith. Well, I'm just one of them quiet Christians. No, there is no such thing as silent faith. If your faith is not speaking, it's not working. Positive words build. They encourage and they leave lifelong impressions. The, good, the gospel, the good news cannot be the gospel unless it's spoken. Amen. And God has entrusted to us His vision. And He has big plans that He's depending upon us to complete those, pl- those plans. You know, the world, we live in a world today that they want to shut us up. And more and more, the media, mainstream media, wants to shut the church up. I mean, they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Christ means the anointed one. You and I need the anointing in our life to be able to accomplish all that God has called us to do. And the world wants to take Christ out of Christmas. They want to take God out of in God we trust. They want to take Bibles out of schools and prayer and so forth. Come on. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting here in San Francisco... If you're maybe you're in Oakland or maybe you're a 49ers fan, but you could have somebody who's got every single bit of the 49er paraphernalia, caps, shirts. He knows all the statistics. He's just going nuts during the game, after the game. He could be in public and anywhere, and nobody think anything of it. But somebody could have just a Jesus hat or a Jesus pin. And they could be at the mall or they could be at a restaurant and mention that word and people get upset. You fanatic, you're a radical. And they're calling security. I'm going to word I'm going to teach you in Spanish tonight. It's called superalo. Say that after me. Superalo. Superalo. You know what that means? Get over it. I said, get over it, because I am a blood-bought, born-again, Holy Ghost child of the living God, of whose I am and whose I serve, and I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to shut up, because I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. So if you don't like the fact that I wear a Jesus pin or a Jesus hat, then superalo, because I am who I am. And I am not ashamed to wear the title of being a Christian or a missionary or a churchgoer or whatever it is. That's who we are and that's who we serve. Superalo, devil. (laughs) I, I, I love the story of one of David's mighty men where... 
apparently the Philistines wanted something that he had. And what he had was this field of lentils, which are beans. Now, I'm pretty convinced, although I'm not 100% sure, but this guy had to be Mexican. Because he wasn't going to let some old Philistine come along and take his frijoles. These are my frijoles. Compadre, no vas a robar mis frijoles. You're not going to take my frijoles. And apparently he withstood all of these Philistines for a bunch of frijoles. All of his pals deserted him. I'm sure they're thinking, this guy is nuts. Who in their right mind is going to risk their life for a bunch of frijoles? But I think he knew something. I think he knew something. I think he knew that if he gave the enemy the privilege and the right to come in and steal his frijoles, it wouldn't be long before he'd be coming after his tacos, his tortillas, his tamales, his enchiladas, and his whole Mexican dinner. And so he decided, I'm going to stand up for my frijoles, and you're not going to take my frijoles or anything else. And I think that's the way we ought to be in the body of Jesus Christ. Satan wants to come in, and he wants to take this little thing, he wants to take that little thing. And a lot of times we're like, eh, que sera, sera, no, whatever, okay. This is part of what the world we're living in. But we need to stand up and say, you know what, Delvin, you're not going to take this. You're not going to take my health. You're not going to take my finances. You're not going to take my children. You're not going to take my business in Jesus' name. Come on. I mean, we gotta, you got to love somebody like that. you got to love somebody who stands up for their frijoles. And they're not ashamed. Bless God. They're not ashamed. I love people who are unashamed of who they are. Come on. I love people like that. There's a boldness about them. I, I remember one time David, you know, he had, somebody was taking care of the Ark of the Covenant, Obed-Edom. And for three months, the Bible says, he had the Ark of the Covenant. And his house was so blessed because he carried the ark that David said, I got to go after that ark. I got to have that ark back. I want the glory. I want the presence back in my life. And the Bible says when he went to get the ark, as he was bringing it back, he would take six steps and make a sacrifice. Six steps and make a sacrifice. And at one time he took off his royal robe, the Bible says, and in front of everybody there, he danced with all his might. He wasn't ashamed. But his wife. His wife saw him. And she said to him. David you look like a fool. You're a fool. Sitting there dancing in front of all the people. You're supposed to be a king. You're supposed to have a royal robe on. You're not supposed to dance and act all ugly like that. That's being a fool. And David turned to his wife and said, Sad sometimes when a man can't talk back to his wife. <laughs> and, and David said, <laughs> And David David said to his wife, Woman, I shall be more vile than this. In other words, you haven't seen anything yet. If you think this is wild, 
then you haven't even begun to see me dance. And I think that's, a, that's how we ought to be as Christians. I mean, we ought to just throw caution to the wind. And they, I don't care what people think. We ought to be delivered from other people's opinions. Come on. We ought to be delivered from other people's opinions. And realize we are called and anointed and gifted. We have a divine assignment in this world where God has placed His grace upon us. And His glory upon us. And it is a mighty, powerful work that God's called you to do. Don't be, ever be ashamed of it. And if it means dancing, if it means raising your hands, if it means going into the, your neighborhood and, and dancing in front of your house, you just do it with all your might because I'm telling you what, the glory of God is upon you. Amen. Woo! Preach me happy. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if Satan can steal your fight, he will shut your mouth. Too many people are so focused today on the problems and challenges of life. I remember the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, 35. I love this. He said this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Shall anguish? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? Even as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm telling you, that's an attitude. And hell can't stop a man or a woman who have a thought life like that. And as leaders of the body of Christ, we have to stop saying, I can't. And start saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Never say it's impossible and start saying, nothing is impossible to him that believes. Never say you don't know the right people. You know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And that's more than enough. Never say you lack wisdom or lack education. In James it says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. And He'll give you more than you even need. Never say you're too old. Moses, he didn't start his own ministry until he was 80. He lived to be 120 and he walked to his own funeral. He spent his first 40 years in Pharaoh's house thinking he was somebody. Then he spent 40 years in the wilderness learning he was nobody. And then he spent his last 40 years seeing what God could do with a nobody. You're never too old. Is when your friends compliment you on your new alligator shoes and you're only barefooted. So just forget about that. You're not too old. (laughs) All right. Come on now. Now life was designed for you to succeed. Amen. And God is really committed to your success. I said God is committed to your success. Your success really is not good for you. It's good for God. Your failure is not good for God. And for His kingdom, your success is. Amen. Number three, you are called. To speak the word of God to set people free. In Mark chapter 4, probably one of the greatest examples of how Jesus defeated the enemy. When he was in the desert and tempted there of the enemy. We see something very, very interesting in how he overcame and how he defeated Satan. And really by saying 
three simple words, it is written, was more than enough to use that word and defeat Satan in every area that he was tempted in. And Jesus basically operated out of three simple yet powerful principles regarding the word of God. He received it, he believed it, and he spoke it. He received the word of God, he believed the word of God, and then he began to speak the word of God. You are commissioned to speak God's word to set people free. Let me give you an example of this. When my wife was pregnant with our first child, Hannah, she had gone through some very difficult labor. Hours and hours and hours. I think in total it was right around 28 hours of labor with Hannah, our young one. And it was very, very difficult. And I just say this, guys, uh, you know, I've been through all three of the births of our children. And you can do it because I did it drug-free. So it can be done. So I just wanted to make that disclaimer. Okay. It can be done. But, you know, when a woman is in labor, especially when it's difficult, difficult labor, you know, they can sometimes say and do things that they wouldn't normally do. Now, I'm kind of convinced, although I don't have scripture and verse on this, that when a woman is in labor, God says to the angels, guys, just go ahead and turn off all the video equipment, all the CDs, all the audio equipment, and whatever happens, we're just going to let this one slide. Okay? We're going to let this one slide. That's 3 Timothy 3.12, I don't know. So... My wife's in labor, and it, it was challenging. It was difficult. Uh, Hannah was sunny side up, what they call, and so the doctor was really trying to do his best to turn the baby, and, and uh, it was just hour after all night long. And, uh, man, I, I cannot imagine how strong a woman gets because she would grab... You know, I'd gone through the Lamaze classes, you know, every guy's dream. I'd done that and everything, and I was helping her <laughs> breathe. And she would grab my arm, and I'm going to squeeze my arm off. Finally, I mean, after all night long, now we're in the next morning, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, she finally just turns to me and she says this. She says, I needed to quote scripture. I needed to quote scripture. You know, I wasn't feeling really spiritual around about that time. And I, I, I didn't, I really wasn't thinking scripture. So I'm just saying, honey, it's going to be okay. Breathe. Breathe, baby. Breathe, baby. And obviously, I wasn't getting it because she had to say it a little bit more forceful. And the second time she said, I said, quote, scripture. Just like that. Whoa. Whoa. I'm like, whoa, baby. I, I, so I'm, once again, I, I got zilch. I mean, I'm just nothing. I couldn't even, I couldn't even have quoted Jesus wept. I mean, I just did not. I, nothing. So I said, I said to her. I said, honey, listen, it's going to be okay. Just breathe, baby. <laughs> breathe, baby. Finally, she just grabbed me by my collar. And then she pulled me in. She says, I said, quote, scripture now. I froze. Seriously. I, I, I'm looking over at the, at, at, at the nurse. And I mean, I couldn't have quoted three Hail Marys and a sweet baby Jesus. I mean, Nothing. Nothing. Finally, thank God we had a Christian nurse and she was, came over there. She was able to quote scripture. 
and calm my wife down. And thank God our baby girl was born. Beautiful girl. She's now getting ready to graduate from university and everything. But I said all this to say that, said all that, said all that to say this. There are things in your life that God wants to birth in you. Yes, amen. Good. That can only come through the quoting of Scripture. God wants, I believe God wants to birth things in your life. There's opportunities right around the corner. There's favor. God's divine favor right around the corner. There's ministry as well as business opportunities. There's creative juices and ideas that the Holy Ghost wants to birth in you. That will only come to pass as you begin, begin to quote the word of God over your life, over your business, over your marriage, over your goals, or whatever it is that God's placed upon your heart. You see, there's something that's so powerful about the word of God. The very universe is held in place because of God's word. And God thought so much of us that he gave us that word. And when you speak that word in faith, I'm telling you, mountains will move. Sickness will dissipate. Circumstances will change. Because that word of God is eternal. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. El cielo y la tierra pasarán, pero mis palabras nunca pasarán. My word will never pass away. So as we begin to apply that word in our life and begin to speak it over our life, begin to speak it over our children, begin to speak it over our business, I'm telling you, God will birth great opportunities in your life. And there will be some here tonight that within a one year's time, God will give them a creative idea on business and business opportunities as you speak God's word over that situation and over your life. Amen. Anybody receive that? Amen. Amen. You have a God-given assignment. Let me finish with this. That assignment is divinely inspired. You're called to be a missionary. You see, a missionary isn't really one who's called necessarily to Mexico. This is a mission field. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and you know, what we're doing... In Mexico City and abroad is because that's where God has graced us. That's where God has anointed us. Then that's where our influence is. You see, we all have different influence. And your pastors here have a great influence. You have an influence in your local community or where you work. And we all need to see that, you know what? All of us working together and fulfilling God's plan... In that sphere of influence where God's placed us yes. is ultimately God's plan to reach this entire city right. in this entire nation and this world for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. There are enough Christians in this world today to get this message out and use their influence to minister God's word to this entire world. But most people hold back because they think that the preacher's the one that has to do all the ministry. Or the missionary, the evangelist, the teacher, the prophet. They're the ones that are called to be ministers. No, you are an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a minister. You are a missionary with an influence 
in your life, in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, there's people there that I can't reach or your pastor can't reach. That's why God placed you there at this time, at this place, because he needs you and your voice to speak his word, to bless others, to encourage others, to heal others. Amen. That's your assignment in life. God's ultimate assignment, God's ultimate vision, His ultimate dream is to continue to seek and save those who are lost. And so realize that you have been anointed, you have been gifted. Your assignment is to continue to speak this gospel, to speak this word, to set people free. You are an ambassador, you're a light giver, and you're a soul winner, and you're wise. Because you take that word, and you use it to bless others, and encourage others, and pray for others. You are a missionary. Say it one more time, I'm a missionary. Come on, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. Hallelujah. You believe that? I want to pray for you. Would you just raise one hand towards heaven and agree with me? Because I believe God's raising up great, great ministers of the gospel. Some of them, yes, will be in their secular fields ministering the gospel. Others, perhaps the mission field. Others, perhaps ministry. Others, a great call to minister to their family, to their children. And Father, I just thank you tonight for a special anointing, for great revelation in the heart and the mind of everyone listening to my voice. That they would begin to see themselves in a different light, not through their own natural eyes or through the eyes of others, but through your eyes and see themselves as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ called by the King of kings and Lord of lords to fulfill His great vision in this community, in this city, in this state, and in this nation, carrying that good word, that good news to all, and to, and to minister that word of God with boldness. I pray for a supernatural boldness in their life tonight. Boldness in Jesus' name. That they're not worried about other people's opinions, what they might think or not think. They're going to boldly declare God's word, that gospel, that life-giving gospel to one and to all in Jesus' name. And they'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 How many of you believe that? How many of you receive that? Amen. Hallelujah. You are a missionary. Say it with me one more time. I'm a missionary. Amen. Blessings to you. I'll let the pastor come up. My time's up. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you.